This is Edge of the Box, a podcast brought to you by whoscored.com. Hello, welcome back to the Edge of the Box podcast, a podcast by whoscored.com in association with Bet Victor. I'm your host, Dan Bardell, here to preview all the weekend's Premier League action, joined by WhoScored's very own Martin Lawrence. And this week, a big substitution in for Jonathan Wilson. We've got top, top, top journalist Julian Laron with us, Martin. Got a good selection of journalists going on, haven't we? We, we do well. We do, yeah. We don't, we don't do bad. Get the little contact book out every now and again. <laughs> yeah. I know Jul- Julian uh, vaguely from playing football and him just embarrassing everyone there. So, yeah. Uh, I'd, <laughs> that was I'd a long time ago, man. Yeah. It was, it was, it was. Everyone asks, like, who's, like, because played football with plenty of different journalists. It's like, who's the best one? It's like, Probably Julian. Oh, <laughs> any of the any of the foreign journalists are basically better than the English. I remember team. that day where you turned up with your Marseille kit, and I was like, "No, no, no, that's not, that's not." So that <laughs> made me more motivated as a PhD fan myself. So I was like, "I love him, I love him." I was, this, I was this close to putting my PSG top on this morning. Actually, I was so, oh, so close to doing awesome. it. I was gonna do it. I'm surprised you don't say that I'm the best media person you've played football with, Martin. Mm-hmm. I feel. I feel like we've played once, and you were in goal. And you oh, didn't have a lot to do. So that is yeah. a, as an outrageous statement. We won the <laughs> tournament. And I would say I was an I was a massive part of that. And I would say actually having the goalkeeper was the reason we won that tournament. That was what I would be yeah. what I would say. But never mind. Julian's obviously gone down better than me. Martin, <laughs> let's start this week's podcast then with the team of the week. Who's made it in this week? So it's Nick Pope in goal after backing up a really strong performance against West Ham as well and getting that point. So that's four points from the last six for Burnley, giving them some life. Didn't actually have a whole lot to do against South. Hampton Burnley were uh, as dominant as Burnley can be I think <laughs> um, played really well and played without as if they didn't have too much pressure so yeah he made four saves kept a clean sheet in that game the right back is becoming a joke because he's there almost every week but usually on the left it's Jao Cancelo for Man City after their 3-0 win against Brighton uh, the centre-backs are Nathan Collins who scored in that 2-0 win for Burnley last night and Virgil van Dijk who, again, didn't have a huge amount to do against Manchester United, but he's the first of five Liverpool players after their 4-0 win over United in the week. So Andy Robertson is the left-back. And then, as you might be able to predict, the front three are all there. So we've got Mo Salah on the right, two goals and an assist. Luis Diaz on the left, a goal and an assist. And Sadio Mane, who will come on to later with a goal and an assist, really leading the line superbly for Liverpool at the moment. Uh, In midfield, Thiago actually was in there Bit disappointed he just dropped out after last night. Josh Brownhill, what chance Thiago does he have? Not made what, the team of the week. I know what chance does he have against Josh Brownhill? Though, exactly. Let's be honest. <laughs> Two assists for Josh Brownhill last night. One before that all season. So yeah, a revelationary performance from him. He's joined in midfield by Bruno Guimaraes, who uh, got his first assist for Newcastle. I've sort of waxed lyrical about him on the last episode, just looks like the player that Newcastle thought they were getting, that they were going to build this team around. And he, he just does everything. He's just a joy to watch. And the sort of player that Newcastle fans in particular are going to absolutely adore. And Mane is joined up front by Eddie Nketiah uh, after his brace in the obviously excellent win at Stamford Bridge. So, yeah, that's the 11 from the midweek matches. 
You've gone around the houses with that saying. We, we've gone. I have a little bit. I've done it a bit. Strikers back to midfield. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just want, wanted to get through the Liverpool players. You know, get them out of okay. the way. Julian, um, have you always been a, a big fan of Josh Brownhill over Thiago? <laughs> well, well, who worries? What's not to like about Josh Brownhill? To be fair, and Thiago is so overrated anyway. Uh, yeah, even after that performance on Tuesday, where like I think he. He was so good, but he didn't think that Josh Brownhill would come and nick his place in the Who Scored Team of the Week. So, you know, Dago, there's still a lot of things you need to learn about this country. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, let's get some let's get some social content on about that. Really trying to GT Argo up a little bit. He needs to do a little bit more, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. Let's start looking at the games then for the week. And the first one that we're going to look at is Arsenal v Manchester United, the Danny Welbeck derby. Big week, Julian, for, for Manchester United. I mean, he's the worst kept secret in football, let's face it. But Eric Ten Hag has been announced as the manager. He's got a huge, huge job on his hands. One of the first things that he's going to have to deal with, potentially, is Paul Pogba. What do you think is going to happen there? Should he try and even convince him to stay? Should Manchester United try and build their team around Pogba again? Or should they just cut their losses and off he goes? I think it's a, it's a, it's a great question, really. Um, you would think if you look if, if you look at the, the best the best version of Paul Pogba, which I know we haven't seen many often at United, but you would think, OK, this could work. Even, even at 29, he turned 29 uh, last month. And, and obviously, being 30 in the season that Ten Hag is going to arrive, you think, OK, the way Ten Hag is going to have that team playing, you you think it's quite similar to what we've seen at Ajax with a Ryan Gravenberg, for example, someone like that, who has similar qualities to Paul Pogba. The thing is, I'm not sure right now if, if Ten Hag sees the best of Paul Pogba and maybe he's right. Uh, and, and maybe it would be too much of a gamble to try to build that team around Pogba and giving it, this key role because I do think that the midfield three, whoever they will be for Ten Hag next season at United will be will be the key, maybe more than the back four and more than the more than the one up front. Uh so that midfield and, and you if you look at it already now, the scout the players that they're scouting, the players that they linked with, the ones that they have already spoken to are mostly in midfield. This is clearly the area where Ten Hag is, must have said this is where we have to invest now and this is the the first part of the big rebuilding job that awaits for him. So will Pogba be part of it? I would love to see it because I think it could work. I have a feeling that the the, the, the end is soon now for him and that he will go somewhere else for a new chapter in his career. And, and maybe that will be the right move. Yeah. I mean, Ralph Rannick said in, after the last game, Martin, that Manchester United in the summer, they're probably going to need seven, eight, or maybe even 10 players. So there's a massive, huge rebuild coming there and bringing in that volume of players. It's not easy for any manager to come in and do anything with that. I don't think even if he's bringing in his own players, it's hard to merge a squad together and get a squad firing. But if you look at the players that are currently there, perhaps Fernandez, but I can't see anyone that he's looking at that's currently there and he will think, yes, I can build my team around that guy. Well, Donny van der Beek's laughing, isn't he? He, he, he fancies a game. He, fancies he still won't get a game. Donny van der Beek can't <laughs> no, get a game anywhere, no, no. ever again. It doesn't matter no, where no, he is. I, I think they've, they'll they'll keep high uh, high hopes for Sancho. I think he's come on and improved as the season's yeah. gone on. We still haven't seen anywhere near his best, I don't think, but has improved as the season's gone on and looked like one of their brighter players. So there's there's definitely still hope for him. The defense is a is a rewrite, in my opinion. I think those quotes where he said so many players that needed to come in were maybe not mistranslated but misunderstood, in the sense that he was kind of talking about how Liverpool have taken four, five, six years to get to the point that they are. And I kind of feel like that's what he meant. Like, they'll probably be 
10 new players in in place before Manchester United look like a functional side again, uh, which I think is probably fair. I think um, Julian made an interesting point about, about Gravenberch and it's, it's obviously quite sort of basic to say, but obviously man- managers do look at players that they've worked with in the past and he's one that I agree is has, does have a similar profile to Pogba. So if you are looking for a replacement there, then he's some, there, there are players at Ajax that Ten Hag will surely be thinking, hmm, might be an upgrade. I think you like they'll be looking at right back this summer. Uh, Nusem Azrawi uh, looks like he's going to go to Bayern, but he's on a free. So be surprised if they didn't make an inquiry at least. Uh, I think his agent's Mino Raola, so that's yeah. maybe a blocker to that. But yeah, they've, they've got a big job... Uh, at hand, and, and I agree, the the midfield needs work. I feel like someone like Fred is maybe someone who will stick around and has proven under Ranić at least that he can do a job. Certainly not a, a player to rebuild around, but they it's not like they can just get rid of everyone no, in, no, no. in one summer. So there are players that will sort of need to bridge those gaps, and he's one of those players, I think. But there there aren't a huge amount who you'd want to do that at this stage. Yeah, and Julian, a big result for Arsenal midweek against Chelsea. Every time I'm horrible about them, they seem to win. And every time I'm nice about them, they seem to completely let me down. But big result at Stamford Bridge. It was a crazy game. It was very low on quality at times, especially in the first half, actually, that game. But they went there, they got the result, and they put themselves firmly back in the mix. Yeah, you're right. I mean, they, they made less mistakes than Chelsea, and that's why they won the game. If you want to sum it up pretty quickly, that's the way. I thought I was at the game, uh, and I really thought that off the ball, which is, for me where they've improved the most. With the ball as well, there's some lovely stuff that they're doing. And sometimes I think the quality of some players in in some position let down a little bit the tactical structure that Arteta has put together. Uh, and, and if there were better players there, I think they would be even better than, than what they've been at times in some, some games this season. But for me, off the ball, in the way they press and in the way they organised is the big difference. And he certainly, I thought, was, was on show at Stamford Bridge because... I know Chelsea scored two goals. Uh, the first one is a huge deflection, the Timo Werner one, and the second one, I think White, White is trying to get the foul, doesn't get the foul, and then it's a good cross by Mount, and Aspilicueta finishes well because Nuno is still, still learning to defend, let's be honest here. But, but I thought, apart from that, they defended really well. They didn't give Lukaku too much or Havertz when he came on. There was a few crosses and a few, like, you know, heated situation in, in the Arsenal box, but I thought they did so well to go to Stamford Bridge and defend the way that they did. So off the ball, I was very impressed. Again, the way they press, they work they work a lot on counter-press especially. Uh, and I think this is paying off. And it's a big win because it came after three defeats that maybe we didn't really see coming. The one yeah. at Crystal Palace, they didn't turn up for stop. I think the one against Brighton, Arteta will take that one for himself because he got it wrong in the starting eleven and Chaka left back and all of that. And then the Southampton one, Fraser Foster turned into a mix of Neuer, O'Black and, and Alisson and Edison all together. And that was it, really. But that was huge. Yeah, that was huge for the race of top four. But also, I think psychologically, just to be able to go to Chelsea, the European champions, and get a win like that, I think would be a big boost. I watched the game, but you were obviously there, and I think you can see a bit more, obviously, when you're live at, at the ground. How much of a difference did Eddie Nketiah make play, playing up front? Because he hasn't had much of a run this season at all. And when Lacazette plays, he tends to drop deep and pick up the ball, but Nketiah actually stretched Chelsea 
more he's got that pace in behind. But how much of a different side did they look with him up there instead of Lacazette? Um, uh, it turned into Ronaldo, like Brazilian Ronaldo. It was crazy. I was like, this is the game of his life. I know he got a bit lucky on the on, on two goals he scored because Christensen's pass, you know, was was obviously bad. And then there's there's a bit of luck as well on the second goal in the way the ball just uh, pinballs everywhere. And but then he's still there to, to poke it in. But everything is just the movement. Like you said, stretching them. We saw that on the first goal. You know, that Nuno Tavares is just hopeless and just hoof the ball. But the way Nketiah chases it, but he's, he's done that all through the first hour, let's say. Even even I thought his back to goal and the way he could he hold up the ball, held up the ball, sorry. He made a mistake on the Chelsea first goal because I think he played that one touch too quickly. The ball then is, is lost and then Werner scores. But I thought he was really, really good. And I was, I am a bit like a fan because I'm completely biased, of course. But I thought he was really good, better than I expected him to be in a game like this. And maybe it's a shame we haven't seen that version of him more often this season. You know, even, even you, you can come on, come on for the last 20 minutes of a Premier League game and have that kind of impact. Still, you don't have to start to be to play that well. So I think that's a bit of a shame. I don't know what will happen to him next season. I, I no. think he has, he has, he has qualities. Maybe not for a top six club, but certainly you know in the Premier League. Uh, so it'd be very interesting. But he he turned halfway through the game. There, there was a guy called sat next to me from being sport, and I said, "My God, this is this is the game of his life." It was really outstanding. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if he gets a run now. I think he'll probably play against Manchester United, but he's either going to put himself in the shop window or make mm. it so that Arsenal are desperate to keep him. So it could be an interesting end of the season for him. But Martin, Arsenal are in the situation where they could go into the summer with no strikers on the books. So they're going to need at least two strikers to come in. But I'm not really sure looking around where those strikers are coming from, especially a proven one. You just alluded to it there that Nketiah and uh, Lacazette are completely different strikers as well. And I think I think they'll look for that if they do go for two new strikers. They will be looking for points of difference, really, because as much as Lacazette's finishing has been found wanting this season in particular, there was there is no question that Arsenal improved quite dramatically when he came into the team after all the problems with Aubameyang, just because his link-up play is very good and he is a selfless player. He's an absolute pest to defenders mm. and and that's worked really well for that sort of high-intensity approach that they've began to adopt and he's had a, he's had a huge play in that because it does it does start at the front and Nketiah sort of did that himself against Chelsea. So they need that sort of striker or forward for one. Uh, but yeah, there aren't. They are obviously they're linked with quite a lot. They've been linked with Alexander Isak for quite a long time. Personally, I don't rate him that highly. I think he's more of a, a dribbler, really, uh, not a, an amazing finisher or hold-up sort of striker. If you're looking at a, a, a goal scorer, then I think all the the one that everyone will be looking at and may well be out of Arsenal's reach will be Darwin Nunez uh, this summer. Somebody's got to get Christopher and Kunku. Uh, completely different type of player, but direct handed 30, 30 goals. He's been underrated for so, so long. Um, just a brilliant player. And obviously he's he's more of a sort of playmaker type player who play, who's now started playing up front. But if you look at what Lacazette does in terms of bringing others into play, he might be an interesting option to look at. Uh, there are a few, I think closer to home, there's a, they were linked with Calvert-Lewin for quite a while. He's obviously had a really, really tough season. I'd look at someone like Ivan Tony as probably a better bet now than him in terms of a similar profile if they were looking for that target striker type thing. But I don't really see that as an Arsenal signing. 
No. So yeah, there's a few options. I, I really like. I don't even know how to pronounce his name, <laughs> but I've watched him for a couple of seasons now. And another player who's completely underrated in France, and Julian can rip me apart for the pronunciation of this, but Amine Guiri of Nice. <laughs> Just I feel like he's got he's got a lot of assets, and yeah. another player who's been overlooked for a long time. Really powerful runner with the ball. Can fit not the best finisher, but links up play well as well. He's an intelligent player. So he's someone who I think so- someone's got to take a chance on soon enough. He's had a bit of a dry spell of late, but yeah, but yeah, there are there are there are options out there for sure, but all very different. I think it'll be interesting to see where they go. If you hadn't said the club afterwards, I would have had absolutely no idea who you were talking about. <laughs> you, could, you, could, you could have been anyone. It was, 50%, it was a fifty percent, uh, you know, green light because Guiri, you said it right. Uh, it's, Did I? It's the first name, yeah. You put a, okay. you put an accent on Amine. Uh, yeah, I, I knew yeah. there wasn't. An, is it just Amin? Yeah, yeah, I mean, so yeah, yeah not too bad. I mean, I'm I think surprised that's at which one I got right of those because yeah, well done, Martin. <laughs> all the vowels, all the vowels in the in the surname is tough. <laughs> Uh, I think the one that got away really for Arsenal was Vlaovic, wasn't it? I think he would have been a, a super signing for, for Arsenal. Obviously gone to Juve and done well so far. But yeah, I think they'll regret missing out on him in the future. We have a combined 11, Martin. Everyone's favourite segment of previewing a match. What's the Arsenal v Manchester? What's the ratio first? Tell me the ratio, the ratio before we get into it. a good it. question. Right, well, let me have a guess. I want to have a guess first. Okay. Uh, Julian, have you done the team as well? Yeah, I've done one as you well. You did a team the as well. Ratio is, is brutal. I have to be honest. Okay, so that, <laughs> I'm going to suggest the who scored ratio is probably six five to Arsenal, and if yours is brutal, I'm going to go nine two <laughs> to Arsenal. Yeah, well, pretty close. It's actually yeah. it's, it's more brutal on the who scored side as well. It's seven four, which isn't brutal. Okay. I think I think that's completely fair. We have we've based this on on. Um, players that will be available for this weekend um, and lined it up in a 4-2-3-1. So we've got Ramsdale in goal, which might be a bit of a bone of contention. De Gea is obviously one of the United players who's actually had a passable season. Uh, but Ramsdale, he's dipped off a bit of late, but had an excellent start to the season particularly. So he's he's our goalkeeper. The back four, Tommy Yasu. Went, just sorry to cut you up go, completely. Go should, he have, should he have saved that deflected goal? I put on Twitter that he should, and I got a very mixed reaction. Yeah, it's one of those, isn't it? It's, it's, I feel like he could have. It, it was yeah. a long way away, wasn't it? He had he, he had time so to long. react. And oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, he he has dipped off of late. Last he had that injury, didn't he? He had a little injury, and he missed the game. And I think he's come back and not been quite the same level. But yeah, still Ramsdale for us. We've got Tommy Asu at right back, who is coming back to fitness. Good. Uh, he's a doubt, but uh, could could feature this weekend. Uh, White and Gabriel are the, are the centre back pairing, perhaps unsurprisingly. The left back because Tierney is out. We've got Alex Telles because I think Nuno Tavares is struggled <laughs> to, put it, to put it kindly um uh, the two in midfield is one that jonathan would pick apart because it is scott mctominay who's also a doubt but i feel like he was on the bench hadn't trained uh, in the week but i feel like he has to play just because pog was now out uh, so mctominay and it's erdegaard who will have a lot of work to do in there but has played in it i was gonna say he has played there this season he has played there so i'll get away with it and then the three uh, behind cristiano ronaldo is Saka Fernandez Smith Rowe? 
So I, it was it's very similar. I didn't get the full memo on only players available. So that's fair. Really that's fair. Nobody yeah. ever does. To be fair, I change it every week. I change. Martin Martin says he'll do does a lot. Will do a lot of things before he sends the script over and the notes, and he doesn't do them. I asked him to do something, and he's done it once. He did it once out of the blue. Well, I didn't even. I don't. Think, I don't think I even got a thank you for it. So there you go. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's all about manners, then. Okay. So yeah, so I've got Tierney. Without Tierney, you know, if we if we only pick, I would yeah. have picked Teles. Although I still I'm still very skeptical on the defensive yeah. side of his game, of course. Uh, and then Bruno Saka, Odegaard, all that is good. Cristiano, I've had it. The 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 rest of the back four is the same. Keeper is the same. <laughs> There's something about Saka, and I I saw the ratings um, on who scored, and I, I I understand them in a way, or understand I understand the rating. There's something that we can't rate, of course, is of course. how how important he is as a relay to Arteta on the pitch. And again, we go back to the game on Wednesday night and being so close to the bench, because where we sit at Stamford Bridge, we're very, very lucky to be so close to the, the two benches, depending on what side of the tunnel you sit. Uh, and and it was it was unreal to watch the chemistry between Chaka and Arteta from from bench side to mm. wherever Chaka was on the pitch. It was, I mean, at times it's, it almost looked like telepathy. They just look at each other and Arteta does like a, done a, a little wave with his hand and Chaka knows exactly what that means, what to do and what to tell the other 10 Arsenal players on the pitch. It's, it's fabulous to watch. Whether you like Chaka or not, whether you think that he's a hot-headed too much or actually a really good player, whatever, I have to say I'm a big fan, so I would have I would have found a way of winning Chaka in that team. That's fair. That's fair. I'm not his biggest fan, but I would have him in over McTominay. Yeah, I have a, <laughs> I have a, few, I have a few thoughts on McTominay that I'm not going to say. <laughs> I have a few thoughts. Um, let's do our score predictions then for this one, Martin. What do the who scored guys predict? Uh, we've gone for two one to Arsenal this week. Two one to Arsenal, Julian. Yeah, I agree for an Arsenal win. So maybe. Yeah, two one is fair. I think maybe three one. Uh, I just think they, they they're too good, especially at home. I don't think I, I don't think they can get pressed too much by United, who who try sometimes to press, can't do it, don't know how to do it. <laughs> Even when they do it in a four four two formation, it doesn't work either. I don't think they've got the intensity of the legs. So I think if Arsenal are on 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 their game, they should they should go and win this one. So was that two one or three one? We have to we have to have. Oh, sorry, sorry. This is, that's, oh my god, sorry. Uh, yeah, three yeah. one. 3-1. Yeah, we've got a big league table going on and you're, fill, you're filling in for Jonathan. Although Jonathan's bottom, isn't he, out of the three of us? Yeah, he's, he's, he's languishing, he's, yeah. Is he finished? <laughs> yeah, I think, he's, I think he's finished. I've gone for Arsenal 2, Manchester United 0. Let's look now at the Joe Cole derby. It's Chelsea versus West Ham. Julian, you were at the game, as, as we know, Chelsea v Arsenal. One of their strengths at the start of the season was that defence. Even when they were rotating, whoever they put in, they just looked like a solid unit. That's kind of gone away a little bit now. And they did look a little bit all over the place uh, against Arsenal. And if we don't know Rudiger's future, if he was to depart, him not being there was a troubling look into Chelsea's backline future. We were talking about the United midfield earlier. This is this is where the focus would be. Because not only are you going to lose Rudiger, you're going to lose Christensen as well. And by the way, Christensen is already gone. He's on the beach in Barcelona. I don't yeah. know why he keeps playing. He keeps being played and started by Tuchel because it's clearly, I don't, I think psychologically, I'm sure he wants to do well for Chelsea and finish the season as well as he can and win the FA Cup, blah, blah, blah. Of course he does. We, you know, we all do, but he's not there. And I don't know why he starts ahead of Shaloba, for example, who I think would have far more to play for 
mm-hmm. than someone like Christensen who's already who, who's already signed a contract with with Barcelona. So I'd, I'm struggling a bit there. But yeah, they will have to replace them too. Plus, in a way, Aspiliqueta, who was still is still good, he's a good player. But I thought what was really telling on Wednesday is that they started with Rich James as the right-sided centre back in the sure, three, yeah. and Aspiliqueta the right wing back, and then they changed because one is for me it's wasted to put Rich James there in a game like that, and two Aspiliqueta, despite the goal that he scored, which was a really good goal can't play in that right wing back position. Certainly not at that kind of level against the team, against a really good team. So that was really telling. They need to find a way. I mean, Thiago Silva is, is a wonderful human being, very handsome man, whatever you want to call him. And he reads the game better than anybody else. The anticipation is wonderful. The, the ball is fit, but he's 37. And there will be a time where he, he won't be able to play even in the back three anymore, at, you know, at the top, top level. So... So I think there's a lot for them to work on in the summer. Whoever you want to go and get, Kunde, for example, and you know Declan Rice for your midfield, whatever you want to do, but they will have to invest heavily and and more worryingly, I think this is doesn't that doesn't look good for the end of the season either because West Ham, as you know, so physical that they will go to Stamford Bridge and thinking, you know what. We can go and cause them a lot of problems by just being very aggressive and very physical on a very wobbly defence currently. And Martin, talking of handsome men coming to you, it's a shame Josh isn't there this week, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> very good. Thank you. I just wanted, just, wanted to, just wanted to get that one in. But talking of Chelsea's defence, I was reading something yesterday about, about the defensive situation. And actually, yeah, they're in a bit of disarray there with players coming to the end of the contract, players coming to the end of their career. You look at two of the centre-backs that have left them in the last couple of years, you know, Tamori... Gaye. Yeah. I that thought suddenly it, doesn't look clever at all. To allow both of those to leave, I think, is a is a big mistake. Like Tomori had had a really good loan spell as well at, at AC Milan. I'm sure they did consider keeping him, but yeah, like he's a he's a very, very good centre back. Uh one that got away for sure. And I think Gerhi's looks similar as well. I think if you look at it. Those two are better than Shalaba and Saar, respectively. And those they're going to be not stuck with Shalaba and Saar, but those two are going to have a role to play moving forwards where perhaps you wouldn't have expected uh, in the past. I know they've got high hopes for uh, for Levi Colwell, uh, who's on loan at Huddersfield. He may well come back, but he's, he's only 19. So, if, And I think the, the point that uh, Julian made uh, that there's not really been any foresight in terms of planning for the future without the centre-backs. And Christensen's obviously more more of an issue because he is gone. Rudiger perhaps not yet, but it does look that way. And Rudiger is, while they've rotated the, the entire team, really, Rudiger's been the one constant pretty much all season. He started 47 of a possible 54 games. That's 11 more starts than any other outfielder at Chelsea. So to be to see them without him was a concern and like the fact that they haven't seen that really to this point perhaps was masking the, the problems that they could face in the, in the future yeah let's just talk about Timo Werner a little bit Julian a bit of a revival in the in the last month or so I've, I've, I always watch him and think there's definitely something there he was so good at Leipzig and I watch his movement at Chelsea and I think there is a good player there just perhaps Chelsea hasn't suited him and he has missed a few chances he's also had times where he's been really unlucky but it does feel a little bit like his looks turned in recent weeks. Yeah, and the confidence. I think he's, I mean, he's typically, I know it's a bit of a cliche when we say it, but he's, he's such a, 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 a confidence player in the sense that if he feels like 
you know, people believe in him, trust him. I mean, people within, you know, within the dressing room, within the team, then I think the changes are all. I don't think he takes the shot that ends up as a goal against Arsenal, the, f- the first one on Wednesday night, two months ago, for example. Yeah, I, yeah, I think I he takes that. another touch, maybe comes back, maybe lays the ball to Mount or, you know, Loftus-Cheek or whoever, Conte, whoever is there. But I don't think he takes the shot. And and the confidence, but you saw you, there's there's far more swag when he plays. Although in the second half against Arsenal, he tries a shot with his left foot, a shot with his left foot, and he goes way into the you know way into the stands or on the north circle. And I'm like, okay, this is still the old Timo Werner. He's still very much there, but there's been an improvement with the confidence. I think the slight tweak in formation with Man playing more centrally and Werner almost as a second striker next to Lukaku on Wednesday or Havertz more more often than not has helped. We saw that against Real Madrid at the Bernabeu where, where he was really good because I think he had more people around him. It's, it's harder for him on his own up front. It's harder for him when he's on the right or on the left. Uh, and and I think this has, this this suits him better. I, I I don't think he can score 25 goals for Chelsea like he did for Leipzig in, in the last season in, in the Bundesliga. But I, I certainly think that he can can do better than what he did in the last 12 months, let's say, before, as you said, the revival in the last three or four weeks. Yeah, and West Ham, I mean, we've talked about Chelsea's issues at centre-back, Martin. West Ham have got a few problems going into this one. No Zuma, no Diop, no Ogbonna. Who is joining Dawson at centre-half? Do you think they might actually end up going playing a back three? Creswell on the left, Dawson in the middle, and then, I don't know, Ben Johnson perhaps at, on the right side of centre-half and just going three at the back against Chelsea or what? I think it's it's the only other alternative to Declan Rice dropping into. You defense. wouldn't want to pull Rice back. No, no you wouldn't. Sure of course, not. you wouldn't. So I, I don't think that happens. But obviously, he can do it. He would. Yeah, he came mm. through as a centre back, so it is an option that they have. But I agree. Yeah, it lo- it looks like a game where they uh, would be suited to them going to that back three. It's just a case of obviously Cresswell's done it a couple of times this season and played on the left of a three. Who does it on the right? I, I guess you're looking at Johnson or Soufal, aren't you? So yeah, whether there's any proof that they can do that <laughs> that would worry me up against certainly up against Werner now he's in form I think Havertz will come back in on Werner I think he's just like he's playing in his position now I think he's I think he's a, he's a centre forward I think with players like that when they're so qu- quick a lot of the time you can think oh mate he'll, he'll do a job wide and he, and he came through as a winger but he only really sort of fulfilled his potential as a centre forward he's never been an elite level finisher even though he scored plenty of goals in in the Bundesliga it's his, like you you said it's his movement he's a, he's a handful he, he always causes problems and and his sort of creativity maybe not creativity but his ability to link up up front is underrated as well he's got he's got 10 assists when he's played up front for Chelsea in 34 starts as a centre forward he's got 10 assists that's that's mm-hmm. really good mm-hmm. and and he's won four penalties as well on top of that so when you add those together, that's actually more than the goals he scored. So he does offer something, and and I think if you look at um, at Germany, like he's 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 the first choice striker for for Germany now um, under Hansi Flick, who who clearly trusts him. So he he gets that role over Havertz most of the time. So yeah, he's 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 looking a problem. And for this game where where Chelsea uh, where West Ham sorry are sort of all at sea at the back, he he 
he could continue that form, I think. This could be an interesting combined eleven then, in terms of who's playing <laughs> playing at the back. Julian, we'll do your, we'll do your team first this time. Who, who have you plumped for? So taking on board that, is, <laughs> you know. So yeah. because I went with Chilwell when I left back, uh, uh-huh. whose ratings is is I think the best of the Chelsea Chelsea squad this season, but obviously no. So in goal, I had a bit of a dilemma because I've known Lucas Fabianski for for almost seven the seventies I've been here. Uh we're good friends. So but so is Mendy. So again I'm completely biased here. I don't know what to go for. Major man up. I didn't even actually look at ratings. I put Mendy down. I know he's been a bit shaky lately. Yeah. Uh and we saw that again against Arsenal. I I still think that overall, you know, Mendy should be in goals. I've got Rich James to right back. Thiago Silva Rudiger, uh, even if Rudiger is a doubt. Um uh, center backs and then and then uh Cresswell at left back and then so I went four three three I'm not sure if I'm allowed uh you do whatever you, know, you want to okay. <laughs> who's scored, scored pick all kinds of formations that don't make sense so you can you yeah can okay fair like. enough then I've had uh Kovacic Rice and Suchek as my three Ooh, that's, a nice, that's a nice midfield that's a nice midfield I thought yeah. uh and then the front three right now are Bowen Harvard and Mounts, so no Werner. But then Martin almost kind of convinced me that Werner should be there somewhere, so I can play with 12 and have <laughs> Werner and Harvard central and then Mount and Bowen on each side. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. That's fair. Go on in, Martin. <laughs> what, what two scored well, together? <laughs> well, Werner's not in ours. <laughs> His oh, form has picked he... up. He's picked up too late to, to make it into this to this side uh, based on our ratings. It is, it is Mendy in goal. Um, Reese James right back, Silver centre back with Shalaba, uh, based on the fact that we've we've excluded injured players. So it's Alonso at left back for us. The midfield would have been the exact same, but Kovacic is is out as well. So Kante comes in for him with alongside Suchek and Rice, and we've got the same front three. We've but we've just uh, put Mount in behind Bowen and Havertz. But take your pick. Big shouting coming from me. I would have put Fabianski in goal over Minder. You can tell like, him. next time you see him, you can tell him. Julian's put me off. Julian's put me off saying anything about uh, Mendy because yeah, I, I, I'm not his biggest fan. But yeah, I, I think <laughs> I'm not, not going to bring it up this week. Fabianski is one of the most reliable goalkeepers in the Premier League and has been for a number of years. I actually think West Ham have got the best goalkeeping department in the Premier League, arguably. With oh, him and Ariola. Yeah. yeah, what a sub. That's, what a sub. Uh, you know, that's a, that's, a, that's a great goalkeeping area for, for, for them. So, yeah, you can tell him next time you see him that he'll have, have absolutely no idea who I am. But <laughs> he'll be, be pleased to know that I rate him, surely. Uh, let's have predictions for this one then. Martin, who scored? Uh, we have got one all for this game. One all, Julian. Yeah, same for me. One all. One all. I've gone big because I'm top of the league. I like to make a big shout every week. Wow. I've gone for Chelsea one, West Ham three. Ooh. I think Chelsea. I think Chelsea conceded eleven goals in the last three home games in all competitions. So yeah, you know they're shipping at home. They didn't it's look good defeat. at the back the other night. And three home defeats in a row. So if you count yeah. Brentford, Real Madrid, obviously, and then the Arsenal one for the first time in 28 years, I think it's 1993 or something like that. The last time, or 29 years, something. Yeah, it felt a strange place. Stamford, I wasn't there, but it felt like a, like, like a strange place. Really strange. Empty seats and stuff because of the yeah. current situation. It just didn't feel right. Yeah, I think they could have a tricky time against West Ham, although the injuries really could play a part for West Ham in that back line that could help Chelsea. Let's look now at Liverpool v Everton, the Merseyside derby, and I'm going to come to you first, Martin, because I think I disagree with this, but it's more of a statement than a question. Sadio Mane 
now Liverpool's best number nine. I, th- I think he's been outstanding playing that role in the, since he's come back from Afcon. I think he's been, I think he's been brilliant. I think I think he's almost merged the best parts of Firmino and Jota in that role. Like his finishing's gone up a level, and that that pass around the corner for Salah, that's a Firmino pass. Incredible. He's been he's been watching that. Uh, for the last few seasons, so his, his link-up's been really, really good. He, so he, he started. I'm gonna, I'm gonna prove you. I'm gonna dismantle you, Dan. Okay, I look forward to worry. it. <laughs> <laughs> so he started. He started eight games as a centre forward since coming back from Afcon for Liverpool. They've won seven, drawn one, and scored 22 goals. Mane's got eight of those goals himself. Uh, only 11 goals from uh, starting out wide this season, which was from 29 games, I think. So eight in eight. Uh, obviously, that was actually his first assist playing that role, but what an assist. His touches, I think this this shows the way that Liverpool play. His touches have gone up uh, substantially playing that, that centre-forward role. 60 per 90 now, up from just under 50 per 90. Shots are up, as you might expect, but the big one is key passes have almost doubled to 2 per 90 from 1.2. His pass accuracy is up as well, so linking play really well. So his who-scored rating as a centre forward, is 7.99, which is outstanding. Uh, from a wide forward this season, 7.11. So, yeah, I just feel like with Firmino, obviously, the link-up play is ridiculously good. The finishing isn't there. Jota, perhaps the other way around, his finishing's taken everyone by surprise. Um, but I think Liverpool fans still feel that sometimes the, the game breaks down a little bit when he gets involved. Mm, yeah, and I can say that. I like him that really as well. Yeah, area, and yeah. he he doesn't have that many touches when he plays that role, whereas Mane is. So yeah, just the the initial iteration of Mane as a centre forward, I think he looks like a he, he looks unreal because I think when when they signed Luis Diaz, everyone was like, "That's bye bye for Mane." I think he's out of contract next summer. He's mm. just turned thirty. Uh, he he'd dipped in form for the last probably like eighteen months or so. Wasn't at his best. But I think maybe that signing has just given him a kick up the backside and he's he's looks frightening again. Looks really, really good. Yeah. I've always said he's the best option at number nine. For <laughs> and the stats back here. Nice, nice, nice to say. But Julian, it's not actually the first time Mane's moved position, is it? Because his first season at Liverpool, I think he played most of the season on the right-hand side and did very well. Yeah. Then Salah came in and he moved to the left and suddenly Mane was one of the best left-sided players in, in the world. And now, like Martin says, he, he's doing bits as a number nine. Yeah, incredible. Uh, I actually thought that in the, the City game, he would start him uh, in that role as well. And he did really well and Jota scored two. I agree with Martin, though. It's a very different Liverpool team with Jota in in that central position because he doesn't have the similar link of play and and an involvement really he's more of a purely finisher and he does that great but it's very different than when Manny starts there um i i think winning winning afcon was huge in terms yeah. just in terms of momentum and but for Manny as well to Senegal had never won it before of course famously for him uh, as they marquee player to do it the way he did it score that penalty of course uh in the shootout and then to also qualify them for the world cup almost back to back has been has been huge in terms of confidence to boost the momentum all of that and i think he's carried that with with liverpool when salah for example on the other way around struggled very much with the two defeats against senegal yeah. uh and and great i i'm with martin i didn't expect him to be that good in that position i have to say okay i know he can hold the ball up because as a winger 
playing for Liverpool, this is what you, you often receive the ball with your back to goal, with the you know, with your right, the other teams right back behind you. So you, you you have to be able to hold the ball and and your first touch has to be great. But it's different to do it as a left winger than as a centre forward with you know huge uh, huge centre backs behind you. And he's been so good at it. Not just the the the, the ball for, for Salah in the in the United game. And again, you know, playing against Phil Jones is will be easy for a lot of us. But still, <laughs> I think it's it's everything. You know, you can you know you know you could serve him with his back to goal and he will he, he will bonify the ball. And I think I think this is a huge asset now to have for club for the end of the season and, and for this game. I yeah, if I was a an Everton defender or centre back especially, like I would not Welcome, Manny, starting as a nine. I think we've just done five minutes on Manny. I've actually got a feeling he'll get rested <laughs> against Everton. <laughs> and probably worth, probably worth <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's doing very, very well, that's for sure. I mean, I was worried for Manchester United going into their game against Liverpool, Martin. <laughs> Potentially, I'm even more worried about Everton, the worst away team in the league. I, they just, I know they went they went to Anfield and won last season, which feels like it's a million years ago. Right, yeah. There is absolutely yeah. no chance that happens this time around. No, well, you have to look at the team that Liverpool were playing. Uh, they had so many problems. With that. I think it was Kabak and Henderson started at centre-back in that game. Henderson went off injured. Phillips came on. So that was when they were they were in real trouble. And no uh, Yeah, exactly, exactly. A big part. And Everton played a, played a back five in that game. And I think that's their only option here, surely. Uh, they've only got one point from their last 11 away games, which bizarrely was at Stamford Bridge, uh, and they played a back five in that game. So I think that's the only option. Uh, Calvert-Lewin's out, so it'll be Richarlison uh, leading leading the line. Pretty lonely roll up front, but I think Anthony Gordon will be the one who's tasked with sort of supporting him, and he's been a he's been a bright spot for Everton in a in a tough tough season, and. I, Lampard's been pretty gutsy with some of his calls. I think dropping Decore is a was a big one, um, and and starting Alex Awobi in midfield ahead of Decore that's that's bold, uh, but it's paid off to an extent. Delph coming back in, so yeah, he's he's made some big calls, but yeah, I'd be amazed if it wasn't a back five for this one with Yerimina back now as well. Um, I feel I feel like that's the only way they can go. Really, let's go around the houses then. How many trophies are Liverpool going to win this season, Julian? Wow, uh, that's a good question. Uh, so one is already. We know one at least. At yeah, least we know one for sure. Uh, I I've said now since January that they would win the league. Uh, I really think they've got so much momentum and City are amazing, of course. I, I, there's something about this Liverpool team. I think that is extra special, really. So yeah. I would go for two with the league as well. DFA Cup. I think they can beat Chelsea, especially Chelsea with the issues that we've explained before. So that's three. And then the big one is the fourth one. And I think I think especially if they if they've won the league and you know if, if they've had that sort of incredible mm. title run towards the end with City, I can see City just coming back and 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 beat them in the final I think it will be a City Liverpool Champions League final in Paris. And I think City will so I said three. Three. Martin, yeah, I've gone for three as well, but I've gone switch. I think I think City will win the, the league and Liverpool will win the Champions League. But yeah, I, I can't see Liverpool not beating Chelsea in the FA Cup, and I think they'll win one of the other two. So yeah, I, I would say three. And what an achievement that would be! Incredible. I'm gonna go four. Wow. Yes. Why not? 
Yeah. 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 You're, you're the host. They're, <laughs> they're just are oh, incredible. They don't ever look like they're going to lose a game ever again. They're so, so good. They've got so many options. They can play any combination in the front three, and it will be one of the most dangerous combinations in Europe. I just think that's, that's their advantage now. As long as they don't get any injuries at the back, and Fabinho is very important to, to that as well. I just, I just don't see them slipping up. The league's the iffy one, isn't it? Because quite easily, both those teams could just win every game. And if that happens, yeah. then Manchester City will win the league. But yeah, I just think they're one of the most incredible sides I've ever seen in my life, and I, I love watching them. Can we ask Klopp? Because I know he's a big listener. Maybe yeah. As you know, we all love Jordan Henderson. It's a great story. He's a great guy. He's lovely, lovely, great leader. I give him that, captain. But not in big games. In big games, you know from the bench. You know, he can he can have a rest. He can come on. He can play and come on for the last 10, 15 minutes, and then start the next game against rubbish team. But please, please. I think yeah. I think I think we're seeing beginning to see the end of Jordan Henderson. I think he'll be phased out slowly over the next sort of year or so. He'll be 32, I think, by the time yeah. the new season starts. And it's already happened at England level, hasn't it? Um, and he was unlucky in that sense because he was one of the first names on the team sheet, got injured, Rice and Phillips came in, and those two look like the, the two now with Bellingham there as well. Yeah. So I don't see much of a future for him at England. I think, think he'll have next season at, at Liverpool. Um, but then emotional return to rejuvenated Sunderland. <laughs> I, thought, I thought Henderson had a really good first half of the season. He's perhaps tailed off a little bit in the in the second half of the season. I think it doesn't help when you're playing alongside an informed Thiago that you are I mean, always yeah, going to look a second well. rate player by comparison. And he's yeah. that's not his fault. Like he's, he's never he's never going to be that level. Um, but when you've got someone playing that well and Fabinho as well, who's an elite level destroyer, so to speak, in there, he's clearly the sort of weakest of the three, while still being a very very good player. Yeah, just one of those I've heard, things. I've heard a lot of whispers in recent weeks about Bellingham to Liverpool in the summer. Heard a oh, lot. So there's, that would there's be your replacement. There. Let's see. Let's well, see what happens with that. Predictions then for this one: Liverpool v Everton. Who scored, guys? Who scored, guys? Four 0 to four Everton. Nil. No, not really. They're Liverpool. <laughs> yeah, I've, <laughs> I've gone four 0 to Liverpool as well. Exactly the same, Julian. Wow. Just to be a bit different, because I think that Liverpool players will have pity of of Everton, so they'll stop at three. I think after three, Clark is going to say, "Like, come on, let's 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 just pass the ball around now, make them run. It's going to be fun." The crowd will say, "You know, every time there's a there's a pass, they will cheer, and then and then they stop at three. Yeah, we were going to do a combined eleven, but after we'd done, we decided that. Yeah, the ratio, the ratio, yeah, there's no ratio. Yeah, even, <laughs> no even, one makes the squad. Yeah, <laughs> even the even the seventh team that we did was Liverpool's under twelve. So yeah, we, we couldn't do it. No, no Everton players made it in. An old favourite's back, Martin. It's Bookings Binger. Tell us more. Yeah, so we pick out three players to be to be carded in the game. Uh, surprise, surprise, we haven't gone for any Liverpool players to be carded. All Everton. <laughs> Liverpool don't get booked in general. Everton will obviously they're under real real pressure now after that Burnley win in, in midweek so they're going to have to put up a fight here and the only way they can unsettle Liverpool is probably by literally putting up a fight. Um, can I have a guess? So yeah, said, yeah, yeah, yeah you can have a guess. Uh, you'll come close. Do, you want to go, do you want to go first? Yeah, Michael Keane, surely. Yeah, he was surely. my first one. Yeah. Was he? Yeah, he was we the first one. Yeah. We haven't got him. We haven't got him. Really? Wow, no, okay. Yeah. He was my first one. Uh Got three. Delf. Delf. No. Yeah. We, we could have done five. Look, Alan, <laughs> Alan, 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 not there either. I feel what? like the entire t- like we've done it based on obviously we have to try and get good odds. So Coleman, we, we, we've looked for value. Yes, Seamus Coleman is one of them, potentially okay. up against Luis Diaz. 
or anyone, to be fair, <laughs> could have a tough game wherever he's playing. Uh, he's only only been booked more times against Man City and Chelsea than, than Liverpool in his career. So, yeah, Coleman is one. Richarlison? Yeah. Yeah. Richarlison yeah. loves yeah, it. Yeah. Feisty, feisty boy. Uh, more cards than goals this season. Eight cards, seven goals. Uh, like I said, very hot-headed, hot-headed, and he he will have a frustrating game, I think, playing up front on his own. So we're going Richarlison for the second one, and the third may be tough. I'm just because he's a stab in the dark, I don't think it will be him. Michael, well then, Pickford, because nil nil after 25 minutes is going to take forever. <laughs> <laughs> could, yeah, could do. We're making a case for all 11 players. Yeah, they, they could all get booked. Couldn't they? they could all get booked. <laughs> We've gone for a returning Yerry Mina to get booked. Uh, yeah. He's got three bookings this season despite not playing much. He's played a thousand less minutes this season than he managed last season due to injury. Uh, another sort of, I don't don't mean to be stereotypical, but hot-headed, hot-headed South American up against <laughs> up against Sadio Mane, who is a handful. So, yeah, we've got Richarlison, Mina and Seamus Coleman to get booked. Uh, that was 29 to 1, boosted to 35 to 1 by Bet Victor. And my so, worry there would be Coleman might not play. Yeah, that he played, he played in the yeah. played in the week. I think he's, I think he's back fit. Mm. He, if he's fit, he'll play in a game like this. Surely. I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do it my own. Watch, watch out, Bet Victor. You're gonna do your own way again. I'm, the other Kane's eight players, <laughs> Michael, Kane, Michael Kane's got to be, got to be in there. He's, he's, he's been the same, the same training squad as Harry Maguire this season. The Clemson school, Michael, <laughs> yes. Michael Kane, he's got, he's got to be in there for me. We move on now to the just a minute section. And Martin, you're gonna go first. It's Leicester v Aston Villa. Minute to depress me. Off we go. Uh, Leicester have been patchy all season with a European finish out of the question in the league. It'll be interesting to see whether Brendan Rodgers has one eye on a tournament he'd never heard of at the start of the year the Foxes host Roma in the week in the UEFA Conference League the winners of that tournament obviously earn a place in Europe next season in Europa League they may rotate a little bit uh, they're still without and Diddy and Jamie Vardy feels like an age since Villa last played defeat to Spurs being the club's 17th defeat of the season only Norwich and Watford have suffered more uh, the break has at least allowed Marvellous Nakamba to return to full fitness his last full 90 minutes came in the reverse fixture in December the team benefited from his superior defensive di- discipline when Gerard took the reins, but it's a position where the club are desperate to improve. And Gerard and Co went to watch Marseille's Bubakar Kamara in the week. Come on, guys, get it done! <laughs> After a slow start at the King Power this season, Leicester have been excellent at home of late. They've lost just one and one ten of their last fourteen as hosts. Last five games have followed a pattern of Villa to win, Leicester, Villa, Leicester, Villa. So it's Leicester's turn. And after scoring in the week, Harvey Barnes is one for your fantasy teams. He's got four in four against Villa. So we're going 2-1 Leicester. I've gone exactly the same. And I barely ever predict Villa to lose, but I don't see anything <laughs> this weekend at all. Julian, what have you gone for? 1-1. One, one. I, I do think one, that, one. you know, at some point Villa will... Uh... <laughs> We'll get some. We'll get a point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to disagree with you because you know it's before the weekend. And I don't want you to have a bad weekend. So yeah, one-one, which is better than losing, obviously. Well, Definitely. that's Villa. That's Villa's problem. They don't draw games. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Or they lose. They've only, drawn, they've only drawn three all season. I think a draw would be. I'd celebrate a draw like a victory nowadays. <laughs> just to see one because I don't know what the hell like. Right, the first one you're going to look at, Julian, is Man City v Watford. So, man, I'm sorry, it's not as scripted as as Martin. Again, I didn't get the memo. Like otherwise, I would. Have <laughs> don't Martin. worry, I cheat. I cheat. I'm a cheat. Don't worry. <laughs> um, so, the, I mean, the bad news for Watford is that they actually play Manchester City uh, because uh, and City they are won. Watford. Yeah, and they are Watford, you're right. <laughs> yeah. City won the last 14 games. 
against Watford. I think in the last two, uh, the average score, the, the aggregate score is 16 nil. So I think we're going to see a lot of goals only scored by Man City. Ruben Diaz is back, which again is bad news for uh, for Watford. Uh, and City, even if you could say they're not always at their best, and we saw that against Brighton, where it took them quite, you know, quite a bit of time to get to get going. Uh, it, a game like this at the Etihad as well, I don't think there's any chance for for Watford, who've lost five out of their six, the last six Premier League matches. So it's going to be big for City. Uh, if you, you know, if you, if you like your fantasy players, I think you know Phil Foden and players like that, Kevin De Bruyne, are going to shine. I go four 0 to City. I've gone for exactly the same, four 0 to Manchester City. Same. Full house, yeah, yeah, full house. I like, I like that we we're able to talk about fantasy football. And I knew you'd bring that up. Jonathan's I knew you'd like, bring yeah. that. Dan wants fantasy football in this podcast. Oh, segment. So Jonathan, Jonathan doesn't like it. He won't. <laughs> he, he won't let us talk about it. Honestly. I'm in. I'm in for that. You know. I mean, it's just that Martin mentioned it, so I thought, okay, I'll, you know, yeah. I'll go as well. Yeah, that's like a, that's all I had. I'm sorry, Dan. I don't have any. <laughs> uh, just to blow my own trumpet a little bit, I did the official fantasy football podcast for the first time last week, and I called the Ronaldo, Ronaldo as captain. And did it? Well done. I looked yeah, like yeah. an expert on my first time. <laughs> I still won't have you back. Don't you worry about that, Martin. Martin, you're going to look at Norwich v Newcastle for us. Yeah, if you can't beat Man United, what hope have you got, really? So exactly. after a mini revival, Norwich are, are all but doomed. This is certainly a must-win home game against the side that, despite their, their improved form at home, have lost their last three on the road. Canaries have no fresh injury concerns and could welcome back Brandon Williams after he was uh, ineligible against Man United. Timu Puki scored a hat-trick in this fixture the last meeting at Carrow Road and has found some form at a crucial time, but it's probably too little too late. Newcastle's win in midweek was their sixth in succession at St James's Park. That matches a feat last achieved by Sir Bobby Robson. So a hell of a, an achievement. Uh, the win means that only Liverpool have earned more points in 2022 than Newcastle his remarkable turnaround by Eddie Howe he took the reins with the club winless in 11 at the start of the season Guimaraes shone once again in the week and after a slow integration into the team he's now the first name on the team sheet while the transformation of Joe Ellington into a bustling all-action midfielder is one of my favourite elements of this season what a masterstroke uh, bizarrely Newcastle haven't won away at Norwich since 1994 um, while it won't be his, his best achievement at the club Howe should put an end to that so we're going 1-0 narrow Newcastle win yeah, I've gone for 2-1 away win to Newcastle. Julian? 2-0 for Newcastle. 2-0. Bruno Guimaraes is very cheap on fantasy football as well. So. I, mean, I, was starting to think, I was starting to think about that as, as, as you were talking about. Very my cheap. Friend, my friend Captain him uh, for the double game week. That just got oh, lovely stuff. Yeah, what two and one over the two games. So well done Impressive. to him. Yeah. What a decision yeah. that was. Yeah. Brentford v Tottenham then. Julian, the Christian Eriksen derby. This one, big game, the emotional game for Christian Eriksen. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're right. And the, the best thing I think about the Eriksen, I don't know, comeback. I don't know how you want to call it, a miracle. Really, is that Brentford have been unbeaten since he was there. They've won five out of the last six. He's been great. Whether it's in creativity or the goals or the assists that he obviously brought, is against his former club, as you said, is the Eriksen derby. You know. It's written somewhere because Spurs are so Spurs that Ericsson is going to score the winner uh, uh, this weekend against his former team. Um, there's a few defensive issues and, and worries, I think, for Brentford with Zonka and, and Pinnock. Doubtful, maybe out. So we could see Sorensen again playing with, with Jensen at the back or maybe a little change and, and shuffle defensively. Doherty is obviously the big miss for Spurs. 
Um, and that injury, I think, really really hurt them. We saw that against Brighton. Even if Sessegnon could come back and maybe replace Regulan, it's not the same when Emerson Royal plays uh, and, and not Doherty. I mean, if only Spurs could play Villa every week, really, because you know, I'm not sure if you... <laughs> only everyone could play Villa every week. <laughs> I mean, I had to. I'm not sure if I'm going to come back on this show, so I, so I had to make a joke about Villa. Um, you know, if only they could, uh, because they were outstanding. And Hugo Lloris probably had his best game. You would expect uh, another game where I think Spurs will have a lot of the ball, but I think could be in danger on the uh, the counter attack of Mbomo and and Tony and, and Ericsson for Brentford. So very interesting game. I, I I've gone for a draw this one two two. I've done exactly the same two two. Martin, so have we two two. Oh, yeah. All in agreement. Also, we've got a, we've got a little boost on the Ericsson factor. Uh, we asked we asked Bet Victor to boost Ericsson to score from outside the box. Uh, since he made his Premier League debut, he's got 23 goals from outside the box. That's more than any other player. Uh, that's been boosted from 12 to 16 to 1 on Ericsson to Love score that. from outside the box against the old club. So a little emotional bet there. Uh, I'll, yeah. I'll be on that one. Yeah, and he's in my fantasy football team. You'll be pleased. <laughs> Brighton v Southampton then, Martin. Yeah, after wins over Arsenal and Tottenham, a trip to the Etihad was a bridge too far for Brighton. Who are probably not looking forward to returning home after three straight away days. The Seagulls boast the seventh best away record in the division, but rank 18th on home soil. They've not won in seven at home. Basuma faces the second of a two-match ban. It's a big loss. He won the race to 10 bookings this season from just 22 appearances. While Potter will be hoping Leandro Trossard is back following illness, he's the only player to score more than once for Brighton since the 2nd of January. Uh, Southampton's 2-0 defeat at Burnley means they've now lost five of their last seven games. While the top half finish is still well within their grasp, it's been a season of stasis, really, for Saints. In a bid to shake things up, Hasenhutl experimented with the back three at Turf Moor. Two down at the break, ditched that straight away, so we should see a 4-4-2 with the likes of Salisu, Livramento, Redmond and Adams all in line to return. There's never been a home win in nine Premier League meetings between these sides, with Saints winning each of the last four at the Annex. Saying that we're not going to go for a home win, but we're going to go for a one-all draw. I knew that home win stat, so I went Brighton nil, Southampton one. Julian, what have you predicted? You definitely didn't. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I've gone uh, Brighton to win two-one. Two-one. But I feel like Brighton haven't won at home for a very long time. I could be completely wrong there with what I'm saying, but it feels like they have struggled at home generally this season. Uh, Julian, your last one to look at is Burnley versus Wolves. When we mentioned uh, Josh Thiago Brown here at the start of the show, by the four points that, that Burnley just won uh, under Michael Jackson with, with the draw against West Ham, which was really good, could have been even better, uh, and that win against Southampton, uh, which was quite impressive in, in the way they almost dominate and control the game, really. So this is a very interesting one. Another home game as well, back-to-back home games. Uh, and and they're just one point behind Everton, considering, as we've explained before, that Everton are going to be smashed at Liverpool. Yeah. And this is a big, big game for Burnley. Uh, and a game that you think they will respond well and, and, and really go for it. Wolves can still clinch seventh place, of course. Although you feel they, they are a little bit on holidays. Or, you know, again, they win, they lose, they win. You know, not going to mention Aston Villa here. Uh, but yeah... <laughs> 
So I, I've gone for for Burnley win. Now we win one nil. Uh, and again, Josh Chago Brownhill, who wants to be in the team of the week next week as well, yeah. should should have an absolutely world class game. I've gone for one nil to Burnley as well. I'm slightly worried Burnley might catch Villa at the moment. <laughs> I'm slightly worried <laughs> Norwich <laughs> might catch Villa. Everything you say, you've had already. So I don't know if you if you knew before what I'm going to say as my prediction. I don't know what's so going on. No, nah. <laughs> I am worried about Burnley. Villa have got to play Burnley twice as well. Twice, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm slightly concerned. <laughs> but I am. Uh, Martin, yeah, what you yeah. predicted? Uh, we've gone for one all in this game. One all. Thank you very much. And your last one to look at is Palace v Leeds, the Monday night football. Crystal Palace only playing a Monday in the Premier League now. I'm convinced of that. <laughs> yeah, Palace v Leeds. Yeah, Palace have now lost three on the spin, perhaps exacerbated an ankle injury for Michael Elise in the week. The youngster is likely to miss out. Conor Gallagher looked out of sorts at Newcastle having been forced to watch the FA Cup semi-final from the stands. So James McArthur will hope to return him in field along with Eberich Eze. Leeds fans will have, have had to wait 16 days for this game to come around since that win at Watford that all but secured their Premier League status, I think. They've picked up 10 points from the last 12 and are likely to hand a first start since December to fit again Calvin Phillips. Captain Liam Cooper is also back up to speed. Bamford remains sidelined, so youngster Sam Greenwood could get a start here with uh, Dan James now on a run of 10 games without a goal. His last two goals, of course, against Aston Villa. <laughs> Leeds away games have seen the most in the division this season with an average of uh, 3.6 per game. Palace home games have averaged over 2.6. So this should be an entertaining game under the lights. Since both sides were reunited in the Premier League last season, all three meetings have been won by the home side. But we expect that trend to come to an end. So we're going to go for a, another Leeds win, 2-1. I've gone 1-1, Julian. Well, I've, I was a bit torn. I, I kept changing, and first, I you know, I gave I gave a, a a Leeds win, then and then I was not too too sure to convince. So in the end, sorry, I'm waffling. But yeah, one 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 goal. Same same as me again. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But I, I'm liking what both those managers are doing at the moment, Vieira and Marsh. Uh, probably be a decent game on Monday night. Martin, we have a Sunday two p.m. treble. We do indeed. Uh, so it kicks off uh, with Burnley against Wolves. Uh, we've gone for both teams to score no. Uh, only two of Burnley's last 10 home games have seen both teams to score. And only two of Wolves' last 11 games have seen both teams to score on the road. So we're not predicting that one to be a high-scoring affair. A game that you do think will be full of goals, Dan. Chelsea against West Ham, you're going for over 3.5 goals in that game, aren't you? Uh, yeah, I think I did over 3.5 for Brentford-Chelsea and we and it came in, didn't it? We, we got all three that week and that was very yeah. fortunate because I was not yeah. expecting Brentford to be the ones that provided all the goals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that landed in five of Chelsea's last six matches. There have been very free-scoring games between Chelsea of late. Uh, their home league matches in, in 2022 are averaging more than 3.5 goals per game. So that's the second leg. And then Brighton against Southampton. We've gone for Southampton to win or draw. Uh, Southampton are actually unbeaten in 10 of the last 11 games at Brighton. So that is Burnley Wolves boasting to score no. Chelsea versus West Ham over 3.5. And Brighton, Southampton, uh, Saints double chance. So win or draw. Uh, that's been boosted to what was an already industry leading 8-1 to one to 10-1. to one. So a much better price than you'll find elsewhere there from, from Victor. So thank you very much from all their, for all their boosts as usual. Uh, gamble responsibly if you're going to be having a flutter this weekend. Is this our, a chance to go two in a row? Is that was that the last time we did it, the time it came in? 
Potentially, yeah. For the treble. For the trebles, yeah. Chance to go two in a row. We've not had too many chances. Occasionally, we we get some winners. We do get some winners. No, we've had winners, but I don't think we've got a treble. I don't think we've got the treble. The trebles aren't generally that successful. No, no. this is our chance. This is where we show. And we're going to have a good end to the season as well, like Eddie and Ketia. And that is the end of the show. Thanks ever so much for coming on with us today, Julian. We really appreciate it. Not sure if you'll be on again, because there's been a little bit too much Villa bashing. I'm sorry. For my liking. We'll let you on when PSG win the Champions League, so you'll be on in 20 years' time. We'll let you on. uh, Thanks to Martin as well for coming on, and thanks to everyone for watching. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel with your post notifications on. Let's get those subscriber numbers up. Have a great weekend. Enjoy all the football and stay safe.